Hi everyone, welcome to today's Safety and Health webcast, QEHS and Sustainability Performance Management, sponsored by ETQ. My name is Tom Music. I'm an associate editor with Safety and Health Magazine, and I will be moderating today's session. Thanks for joining us. In a few minutes, we'll start the presentation, but first I want to go over some preliminary items. The views of today's speakers and organizations are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the National Safety Council or Safety and Health Magazine. Any mention of a commercial enterprise, product, or publication does not mean the Council or magazine endorses those items. At the end of today's webcast, we will conduct a Q&A session. To ask a question, simply type it in the text box in the lower left-hand corner of your screen and click the button for Submit Question. Feel free to ask your question at any time during the presentation. You don't have to wait for the Q&A session to begin. We'll try to answer as many questions as possible, but because of the large number of participants today, we might not get to every single question. However, all unanswered questions will be forwarded along to today's speakers. For basic troubleshooting information, click the Help button located on your screen. At the end of the webcast, you will be asked to complete a brief evaluation survey. I can let you know more about that once the presentation is complete. This webcast will be archived, so you can access it after today's live event. To view this webcast, as well as all of our past webcasts, go to safetyandhealthmagazine.com events. With that, let's go ahead and get started. Our first speaker today will be Dr. Bob Pojazic of Pojazic & Associates. He has more than 40 years of experience as a consultant specializing in risk management, EHNS, and organizational sustainability. His book, Organizational Risk Management and Sustainability, a practical step-by-step -step guide is scheduled to be released by CRC Press in January. He teaches an online organizational sustainability course through Harvard University. Our second speaker today will be Doug Hatler, ETQ's Director of Sales in EHS. He has 30 years of experience in marketing, selling, and delivering health, safety, environment, security, sustainability, and quality solutions that reduce operational risk, ensure compliance, and improve business performance. He also is a published industry expert and featured speaker who has worked in the consulting and technology industries. Thanks to all of you for tuning in to this presentation. And Dr. Pojazic, whenever you're ready, go ahead and take it away. Thank you very much. Doug Hatler and I have been examining the relationship between operational excellence and Q uh, quality, environment, health, safety, and sustainability performance for a number of years now. Uh, as the first presenter in this webinar, I will focus on the topic of harmonizing ISO management system structure and how it can help companies integrate a variety of programs that contribute to operational excellence and sustainability. All new and revised ISO management systems, and, and those of you that are very active in the quality field and have been following the ISO 9001, the 2015 version, uh, they're using the same high-level management system structure. The previous versions of ISO 9001 and ISO 14001 had different structures. It made it very difficult to have them complement each other in practice. All of the ISO management systems are now arranged in a uniform manner to facilitate the highly effective plan-do-check-act cycle. This slide provides the titles of the key elements in this now uniform structure. And I'll be spending some time at the beginning of this to go over each of these to show how, how they're used.
In this slide, I've presented a list of management system standards that contribute to QEHS and, and sustainability and operational excellence. I would like to add that this is a partial list of international management systems that are currently available at this time. These standards constitute the rows in a universal platform that I've depicted here that can be used to integrate these practices in any organization that uses them. The rows are constituted by the harmonized management uh, system elements in the previous slide, and the columns are these various standards uh, that we're using. And as you can see, you know, quality is a, is a key one where a lot of customers demand that. But you know, you need to look at things like asset management, facility management, and many and procurement, and all of these things because they all uh, weigh heavily in sustainability and operational excellence. So the first element in the harmonized ISO high-level structure centers on the use of a pestle analysis to determine the internal context and external context of every organization. So you can imagine a corporation with 130 facilities around the world, maybe in 40 or 50 different countries, every one of their operations is different. It has a different internal context and a different external context, and that has to weigh in heavily as to how they look at quality, environment, health, and safety. The PESTEL analysis creates a listing of opportunities and threats that are faced by the organization, the individual organizations. Opportunities and threats are the effects of uncertainty that are faced by each of these organizations. Each opportunity and threat has stakeholders that have an interest in these specific opportunities and threats. So it's all related. It's not, these are not separate elements. They're all related, and every single organization has to determine the context and the stakeholders uh, involved in it. In the second row uh, in this QEHNS uh, platform is directed at the accountability of the organization's leaders and provides for the focus of the commitment that leaders are required to adopt to make certain that the QEHNS uh, elements listed on this slide are all accounted for. You know, they always had that saying, be careful what you wish for. Quality managers always wanted the leaders to be more involved, and now the leaders are actually involved. Um, and you know everything's beginning. Everything's going to begin to change. This accountability is no longer entrusted to a management representative. Matter of fact, this term has been removed from the ISO standard. The roles, responsibility, and authorities of every individual in the organization has to be set by the leader in a way to ensure the success of the QEHNS and S program. This will lead to operational excellence in an organization. The third row in the QEHNS uh, platform is focused on the rating of the opportunities and threats as the focus for the planning of the operational excellence program. This goes beyond managing the legal and regulatory obligations of the organization. Instead, it's creating the QEHS and S objectives and links them to the organizational objectives. So no longer will we have quality goals and, that are separate from organizational objectives. Everything will uh, be linked to the, the key strategic uh, organizational objectives. 
the process reminds us of the need to address the effects of uncertainty as we plan actions to achieve the organization's objectives. The fourth, uh, fourth row in the platform reminds us of the many supporting, the many supporting programs uh, that are essential to the proper functioning of an operational excellence program. This involves things like determining and maintaining competence of the people working in the organization, ensuring that the people are aware of the information in the QE, EHS, and S management system, establishing implementing and maintaining the processes needed for internal and external communication relevant to the QEHS and S management system, and creating, updating, and controlling a system of documented information. So we've really sort of moved away from all of those uh, just having information just for, to document but having documented information that is necessary to support the process so that all these uh, various elements can work well together. The fifth row uh, now focuses on the operations themselves, whether the operations are services or manufacturing. It is critically important to implement the control of processes in accordance with the proven operating criteria while maintaining a life cycle perspective for all products and services. So that means going back in the, in the supply chain. There are provisions for managing uncertainty and change in operations, as well as considerations for the emergency preparedness and response, as well as operational excellence. ISO 31000 is a standard for risk management and uncertainty analysis uh, and really helps us a lot in this. You'll, you'll see the figure here is after Porter's uh, uh, excellence uh, program where he looks at the value chain. Along the bottom, you have the, the various operations that a manufacturing company or some company uh, even with services might do, and the elements above are actually the supporting processes that are there to make them happen. So there's no second-class citizenship here for the supporting processes. They become you know, part of the system that will drive uh, sustainability and operational excellence. The sixth row keeps us focused on the monitoring and measurement of performance. They actually now use the word performance in all of the ISO standards. So it's not it before they sort of left performance up to the organization. Now we actually have to track it and measure it. This involves deriving criteria against which the organization can evaluate its findings and periodically review and revise its processes. Uh, there's a management system that is focused on the evaluation of compliance, ISO 19600. Uh, maintaining and improving performance depends on the maintenance of an internal audit program and the processing of information through a regularly scheduled management review meeting. Of course, this ties back to the leader's accountability for Q, E, H, and S in each organization. Finally, the seventh row reminds us to focus on improvement and innovation rather than looking to see if we've just taken the corrective action. I know there's a lot of quality uh, managers uh, that looked at where did, where did this word innovation come from? 
you know, we understand continual improvement. We've known about continual improvement for years. But to remind you, back in the the 2000 uh, update of ISO 9001, you'll remember that there is, of course, ISO 9000, which is sort of the basis for 9001, and there's this 9004, ISO 9004, which is actually the maintenance of a sustainable organization of all things. Uh, and in there, since the year 2000, the word innovation has been prominently in there. And I think now with with the new implementation of the new standards, the new revisions in the standards, that we're going to go back and start reading ISO 9000 and ISO 9004 in order to do quality better. The same thing's going to happen in ISO 14000 where the brand new ISO 14004 uh, has been implemented to show us how we can do these things uh, to implement the programs. We've got to really be careful about the changes in the external context that could require innovation in order to address the interests of the stakeholders. We've, we've heard so much about this disruptive innovation that's taking place and getting companies to change sometimes the very basis of what they do. And the organization needs to identify the needs for innovation while maintaining a, uh, an effective and an efficient innovation process. Operational excellence in QEHS&S needs to create a standard set of practices for QEHS and sustainability. It is great that we can now incorporate international best practice by using many of the ISO management system standards. The management system, remember, always tells the organization what it needs to do. It never tells the organization how to do it. So the organization still uh, maintain their autonomy. There's still plenty of room for good competition here. Uh, this is not going to uh, bring somebody down or move somebody forward. It's just a matter of having these. And when you look at this uh, platform that's here, you know, you don't have to have all the columns with everything in it. You just put the things in that you want to. Typically, a lot of organizations in that A column are going to have their quality program, which has always been the basis for a lot of these and, and often required by, uh, by customers. Uh, Doug will now link this platform to software and other processes that can be used to imp improve implementation of this QEHS and S platform and to help leaders monitor and uh, improve imp uh, the improvement down the path to operational excellence. So with that, Doug, I'm going to turn it over to you. Thank you very much, Bob. That was very informative and very helpful. So with that as a backdrop, I'd like to present sort of a view of <clears throat> what's happening in the world of EHSNS um, from in, in most of the major companies around the globe right now, and a lot of companies around the globe. There has been historically, you know, there's a transformation that's always been underway, but there's a, there's a next wave that's happening, and Bob touched on it with operational excellence. When we began with EHS, a lot of it was driven by regulatory compliance you know, coming out of the, the 50s, 60s, and 70s and the Industrial Revolution and trying to curb pollution, keep the, safe, the workforce safe, provide a duty of care, you know, a lot of that through reg regulatory uh, regulations and legislation. In the 80s and 90s, we moved into management systems, employing some of the, the quality management approaches um, that were brought in by Demi that we learned and then as we moved into, into the new millennium, you know, there's been a lot of focus on stakeholder engagement and social responsibility. 
there seems to be another wave now that seems to be focusing around operational excellence. And we'll, we'll talk, Bob talked a little bit about that, but we're going to talk a little bit about what that means and what folks are trying to achieve through operational excellence. But the, the, really what the, the main driver is happening is that people are finding that EH&S can deliver direct value, can improve business performance. If you can keep accidents, injuries, illnesses down, if you can reduce your environmental footprint, you can see tangible business benefit for your overall organization. Um, the other, one of the other things that's happening as well is we're seeing EHSNS. It's traditionally been environmental health safety, but we're seeing sustainability now in many companies being brought back into EHSNS. Sustainability at times was, was its own entity, but recent research, particularly some of the research that's been done by Verdantix, um, an analyst firm that covers environmental health and safety services, environmental health and safety technology, is that the sustainability organizations are being reunited in part of the EHS organizations and they're becoming one unit. The, the drivers of this transformation I kind of mentioned, but you'll see, you know, companies want to ensure safe, secure, and reliable operations. They want to produce safe and effective products, increase organizational effectiveness, engage internal and external stakeholders, prevent unplanned incidents and events, preserve and transfer institutional knowledge, and ultimately they want to sustain their license to operate. Some research that was done recently by LNS Research, ironically, I think they're doing a webinar right now on this, is you know 4% of the global GDP is the cost of occupational injuries and illnesses. 483,300 occupational injuries and illnesses in U.S. manufacturing annually, and that's just U.S. manufacturing, 88.5 billion annual employee workers' compensation costs. Through those three pieces of data, you can clearly see that if we can introduce operational excellence into the EHS function and the sustainability function and drive improved operational excellence, creating collaboration and coordination across functional units and across companies, there's a tangible business benefit there. In some of the work that's been done in looking at strategic objectives for improving EHS performance, the, one of the, um, really the top was looking at overall, looking at the improvement of operational performance. Typically, it's always been looking at regulatory compliance, um, collect, you know, looking at uh, trying to better collect data, reduce. But really, the focus right now, the top objective through the LNS research that's been recently put out is improve operational performance. So 65% of the organizations who are really focused on EHS performance. Some of the challenges that are in their way of trying to get to that higher performance level um, were listed here. Two of the key ones at 49% and 46% of the respondents was disparate systems and data sources and poor collaboration across departments. So in other words, we don't have, we don't have good data and communication inflow and outflow between the various functional groups within an organization, whether it be operations, supply chain, uh, finance, environment, health, safety. Everyone is operating in their own silos with their own systems. And what you wind up with is, you know, you wind up with people right now that are inundated with information that they spend more time capturing, more time trying to collate and aggregate, but to have very little time to be able to evaluate it and understand what it means. So these disparate decentralized systems and data sources, you know, just feed the, the, these 
increased silos and the lack of collaboration and communication between functional groups. So one of the things around performance improvement is really improving information management. And what you'll see here is this is work that's been done by Verdantix where they've spoken with uh, over 300 companies and talked about will you be spending money, you know, will you be increasing your budget and your spend on information management. And when you look at the numbers here, it's a little hard to see, but about, you know, 85% of the respondents said it's either a moderate priority or a higher priority. So now when we put that in the context of what Bob talked about, when we look about management systems, you know, management systems are there to help business to improve processes and operations, produce higher quality products, manage risk and compliance, operate safely and sustainably. The plan, do, check, act, parrot, um, model has been very, very successful. It's been successful through ISO 9000. It's been successful with ISO 14000. We're seeing it with OSAS 18,000, uh, 18, which will eventually be sometime next year ISO 45,000. So that do, Plan, Do, Check, Act provides an excellent framework for being able to put a management system in place to improve performance. The idea here now in using a common harmonized framework for improvement around that Plan, Do, Check, Act um, really allows you to bring together people, process, and technology to puncture the silos, provide you um, pro higher productivities, and bring together automation in your processes, and allow you to, to get further into a cycle of define, measure, analyze, improve, and control. And if you think about it, whether it's quality, environment, health, safety, or sustainability, it really benefits by this cycle of having to define, measure, analyze, improve, and control. So the idea here is that this, the harmonization of the ISO standards into a common platform, a harmonized framework across quality, environment, health, safety, plus the other areas that Bob mentioned, social responsibility, compliance management, provides a single framework upon which you can put a Plan, Do, Check, Act management system that follows a define, measure, analyze, improve, control set of work processes that bring together that people, process, and technology in an automated fashion, in a standardized fashion, to be able to move you to a state where you have accountability, centralization, collaboration, standardization, and transparency. And if you look at just a couple of the standards being overlapped, quality, health and safety, environmental, you'll see that there are commonalities around information flows and around the way information and things, certain things need to be done within a management system, such as document control, training, risk management. With ISO 31000 now, risk is being driven into ISO 9000, and everyone, anyone that's looking to certify, whether through an outside agency or self-certify, a management system is asking to really look at a risk-based approach to the way they run their business, not so much compliance. In that world, compliance is a risk. It is not the key driver. It's the management system and looking for a risk-based lens that is the driver, and in that world, compliance and regulation just becomes another risk in which you manage. The idea here ultimately is that you have not only a harmonized management system through a, pr a plan that works off of these harmonized ISO standards, but you can also put a harmonized information management system in place that allows you to have one single source of truth for your quality, environment, health, safety, and sustainability data so that you can have 
multiple inputs coming in from multiple functional groups, all coming into a single system that allows you to automate the, the data capture and then put and enable it to be able to do all those uh, more manual steps of, of capture, aggregation, and, and report formatting so that QEHSNS professionals can focus on what does the data mean to me so that I can look at improving the performance of my programs. So instead of spending all my time on low-value data capture, low-value data aggregation and collation, I'm spending all my time now looking at these automated reports that are coming out so I can understand what changes or what, what improvements that we can make in the business. Ultimately, what that does is enables you to move up what we call a maturity curve in driving your performance. As you put these, a lot of companies now that don't work off standards, don't have a harmonized platform or a single information system, uh, maybe in an ad hoc mode where everything is being done sort of on the fly without any standardization. Other organizations are moving in where they've got scattered silo approach with processes that are still dependent on individuals and their disparate systems, but at least they're repeatable. They're doing the same thing all the time. The next step up, people are trying to get to a defined state where you have standard roles and processes defined. You have an initial enterprise-wide systems implemented to integrate the silos. The next step up the maturity curve really is enterprise-wide roles, pro processes, and systems where you have fully integrated performance indicators and monitored and evaluated. This seems to be the ultimate goal that people are trying to get to. Not everyone wants to get to the most optimized state. In many cases, optimized state is, is, will exist in certain functional or certain important areas of a company, but any, any of the companies in the research we've done, getting to a managed state is, the, is really the long-term goal. And that managed state revolves around creating a, 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 a management system. In this case, we're talking about now leveraging the harmonization of ISO to become that standard global platform, and then integrating that with people and you know, your, the work processes and technology to provide that managed state of an environment where people are now focused on improving business performance through, through operational excellence within their individual functional areas. And then the idea, like I say, is to move up that curve. At ETQ, our focus with our technology and what we're doing is to help companies be responsible, be sustainable, and build trust. If you have a high-performing high quality environment, health, safety, and sustainability program, you're going to be able to be, act responsibly, be sustainable, and you're going to build trust with your stakeholders, whether those be your customers, your suppliers, um, the regulated community. You know, we're looking to be able to engage the workforce in their daily activities, but ultimately provide visibility into quality environment, health, safety, risk, and sustainability performance. And if you look at that puzzle piece, it's really bringing together quality EHS and corporate social responsibility around the ISO framework and the harmonization and the harmonized standards that Bob talked about earlier. And again, our focus is bringing solutions to the various areas and being able to support people in those areas. I'm not going to talk more there. Um, so that concludes our formal presentation um, for today. Um, I'm, like I said, I'm not going to uh, get further into this on the technology side. There will be, this is sort of a part one discussion that uh, we're having on this. A part two of this discussion will dive deeper into how technology can map to helping you um, attain certification and put together a management system that is automated, that brings your people, process, and technology together. 
and in that second part, we'll get into more of that um, at a later date. But in the end, the business benefits of an integrated management system as we speak is increasing your regulatory compliance, reducing your damage to assets, inventory, or product loss in the environment, reduce incident frequency and severity rates and lost time, reduce those costs and increase your profit margins, and then ultimately improve your competitiveness, enhance your employee and public relations, um, and then actually bring, give you the ability to integrate your process quality and your EHS. So that is the conclusion of, of our talk today. As I said, there will be a part two probably in the new year where we'll talk a little bit more about the automation capabilities. Um, thank you all very much, and I'll turn it back over to our moderator. All right, great. Well, hey, thank you very much. Great job for, by both of you. Uh, Bob and Doug, really appreciate all your insights and expertise. And before we get started with the question and answer session, I just want to remind everyone of the evaluation survey that we're asking you to complete. Uh, the survey should be appearing on your screen shortly if it hasn't already. Your input for this survey is important because it will help us improve all future webcasts. Um, if you don't see the evaluation survey on your screen, please turn off your pop-up blocker. You may also access the survey uh, by clicking the survey button near the lower right portion of your screen. And just as a reminder, um, anyone who has questions, feel free to send those in. Um, we'll get those and, and sort through those, and we're going to try to answer as many as we can uh, during the time here that remains. So I'll get started out, and, and Bob and Doug, I guess whoever you know wants to chime in on some of these answers, just go ahead and jump in. And, and if one person answers and the other one wants to add something, feel free. Um, the first question we have is, Quality and EHSNS functions are usually separate. Can a common IT platform work for two separate organizational groups? Well, since well, you know the, you want to you want yeah, to go first. You, know, you go first. Bob, yeah, just, 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 the technology is going to help it. But you know, I think the people, you know, they have their standards. They've been measured on how well they do their individual standards, and by integrating them, there's more of a need to work together. And as we looked at in the rows that we had there, the, uh, the uh, seven or eight rows that go down, uh, they are now all doing the same thing. So every, every, now, in some of those rows, they have more things to do in quality than they might have environmental, but now at least they're all contributing in the same way to the company, and it becomes very, very easy for them to uh, collaborate now uh, because the, the numbering system is exactly the same. And I think... You know, you will need some computerization, some uh, standardization of how you keep all that information. But I think uh, before that wasn't there, and they had to take care of the quality. They had to take care of the environment, the health and safety. Now they can do that and collaborate to make the organization better. So go ahead, Doug. Yeah, Bob, I put that I put that slide up there to kind of illustrate what you were talking about again with the table and the rows and the columns. From a from a technology standpoint. Um, it's one of the slides I kind of glossed over at the end because we said we'll probably address this in a part two. But from a from a technology standpoint, the way we look at it is, you know, at an ETQ is you have a you can have a single infrastructure, you can have a single database and single infrastructure, with diff, you know that can handle all the information, and then you can have your quality management um, team working at it independently from your EHSNS uh, team, 
and that can be done through the way the information technology is set up in terms of the user user roles and permissions and the way your workflows are set up. So you can operate within the same infrastructure of an, of an information technology system completely separate, but yet sharing that information and then sharing those different resources um, such as you know a common risk register, a common mobility platform, centralized reporting, centralized delegation and escalation capabilities, um, and integrated incident management, where no matter what type of incident it goes through, over, uh, you know it goes through it, whether it's a quality product incident, whether it's a safety incident, whether it's an environmental incident, that can co that can all coexist in a single information technology platform, um, and and allow QEHNS to to um, to leverage a common IT architecture just as it can leverage the harmonized ISO standards uh, in, in, within the context of the framework Bob described earlier. Our next question, probably a little bit of an overlap uh, with what you just discussed, but what is the benefit of a single QEH SNS platform? Well, you know, I think having the platform, and again, I just want to go back to that, that row that had the, the leader's responsibility. So the leader can no longer have a management representative. There's no such thing as management representative anymore. Of course, there'll be a quality manager, an environmental manager, but the leader is accountable for everything in this program now. And everything that's set, the leader is accountable for that. And so I think now by they'll all work together a lot more closely because all of these things are related. One of the things I always worried about in the environmental program and to some extent also in the health and safety program is so the people managing the assets, uh, you know, we're totally out of the picture of these people. And it's the assets when, when they break down that uh, cause somebody to get hurt. Uh, and, of course, somebody getting hurt can cause the asset to uh, misperform as well. Uh, so, you know, these things, and, and of course, then it'll cause an environmental problem, and then, of course, it causes a quality problem at the same time. So these things have always been interrelated, and, and you know, sometimes the, the people had trouble discovering each other on them. But now, now they're on the same platform. I think conversations can take place, and I think Doug talked about puncturing the silos. I, I, I try to be a little diplomatic on this and say what we're really doing is bridging these silos and I remember seeing a picture you know a drawn picture where if I, all the silos in the company are there and what somebody did is made a boardwalk between the tops of the silos and the various people could walk to the other silos and look down into them and see what's happening and maybe that person could come crawl up out of that silo and go talk to some of the other people and I think this platform and certainly by automating it, as Doug has talked about, uh, will make these conversations happen more often. And why? Because the leader is accountable for this, and the leader will thank you, you know, for, for doing that kind of work. Yeah, I'm just going to add, I think we had a slide to talk about this. And this is whether you're just looking at the integrated framework from an ISO standpoint and, whether, and then you choose not to go with an integrated technology platform or whether you choose to go to an integrated technology platform. I mean, the key, the key benefits are to accountability, centralization, collaboration, standardization, and transparency. And I think the two of the most important ones in today's day and age are, you know, collaboration and transparency, particularly for public companies or companies that have a lot of external stakeholders where they need to have a certain level of transparency. And then the Bob's point, you know, an integrated framework now has direct accountability to the leaders of the organization. So I think, you know, from my standpoint, this kind of represents some of, the, some of those key benefits. That's great. Uh, next question that comes in says, 
Where do you see a majority of companies right now on the driving performance improvement scale, and why is this? Is it because of cost, or just not keeping up with technology, or new approaches to QEH, H&S? So I think they're referring, Bob, I'll jump in this one first. Yeah, um, go ahead. Yeah. I, think they're refer, I think they're referring to the maturity curve here. My experience, and this is experience that I've had being a, um, a health safety security environment consultant at IBM Global Services, talking to global companies around the world, um, I'm finding a lot of companies are in that, they're, they're, right, they're somewhere morphed in that repeatable, defined stage. Kind of, if you, you know, if you say ad hoc is one, repeatable is two, defined is three, managed is four, and optimized is five, I think people are, are generally stuck between two and three. Um, we, you know, I've, we've, we've done some maturity curve analyses where we'll ask a set of, you know, five to 10 to 15 questions in each functional area of, of um, particularly it was EHSNS, and then we'll rate them, we put them on spider diagrams. Again, when we look at it, people were coming up generally around 2.25 to 2.75, and most, when we, when we look at doing it from a gap analysis and a maturity, um, a roadmap, folks will say, well, we want to get to a 3 or a 3.25 or a 3.5. So then what we'll do is, you know, you'll look at the gap analysis as well. If you're at a 2.25 and you want to get a 3.25 to make that one-point jump, these are the areas where you scored low, and these are the areas where you need to improve upon. But to answer the question specifically directly, I think a lot of companies are stuck in that, in that, you know, in that repeatable to defined and trying to really make that jump into defined. And all of them that I've spoke with want to get into that managed state. And the managed state seems to be the optimal state. Those into the optimized, um, I would say, you know, there's fewer and far between that say they want their whole company to be optimized. I think what folks look in optimization is around where their competitive advantage is in their organization and make sure that they're optimized in those areas and they want to attain a managed state in, in most of the other supporting areas. Yeah, I Bob, think you're right. You're, yeah, you're right on. You're right hit the nail on the head. When I wrote the, uh, the maturity uh, chapter in, in my book and have been teaching maturity for years, this is what the quality people have been doing for so long and so well. And I, I actually always reminded of the Philip Crosby, the, the guy, the, the qual, one of the quality gurus who said, quality is free. You know, and, and, you know, typically the companies with the best quality can offer products at a lower cost. And, uh, you know, when is the maturity curve? But in the year 2000, uh, when the ISO 9004 first came out, the guidance to how to how to create a sustainable organization and 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 you know what they do in that in that manual and the the, re, the revised one now is going to do the same thing is it has a maturity for each of those rows that I just gave you so if there's a maturity there's going to be a maturity for the internal and external context there's going to be one for each one of those rows and you can measure it and I would much rather measure maturity as Doug just said because it's something that's comparable versus the amount of greenhouse gas emitted or the amount of water used or the amount of accidents in a, in a certain category uh, yeah those those are pretty important and there's regulations tied around them and we do have to measure them but the way we can compare our measurements with hundreds of organizations within a corporation and within thousands and thousands of different corporations is, is this maturity. So I think, I think the maturity is the measurement uh, du jour that we're going to see in the future. 
and and then we can actually know what it's going to take to get us to the next level of that maturity. I guess on the on the notion of that maturity curve, it, it, you know, we look at it as a uh, sort of a forward curve where you you know you're attaining managed state. Can you go backwards on that curve? And and if so, I guess how big of a threat is complacency? How can you avoid um, slipping on that curve and sustaining where you want to be? Well, that's a good question, Bob. I'm going to let you take that one first. Yeah, well, <laughs> you can. You, in, in fact, can go back. And as a matter of fact, it's natural that you would. I mean, because when, when you look at the new ISO 14004, uh, the 9004, excuse me, that will come out, and actually the 14004, I don't think they're going to have the maturity in it. They haven't figured this out. They're going to have to learn it from the, the quality team. But that, uh, that you can't move forward all the time. Uh, there's going to be things happening. You know, every single organization is going to balance these things. And, you know, and the big thing is, which I, I pointed out in a couple of my slides, is this thing called uncertainty. And those, those of you who watch your investments every day certainly know what uncertainty is. I mean, everything in this world is uncertain. And what they have, what the VACA, the what, uh, vol, uh, volatility, uncertainty, you know, and all of this stuff that, that's going on in, in ambiguity, stuff like that, that's a world we live in today. I mean, you know, if something can go wrong, it will, you know, the Murphy's Murphy's Law. And uh, we're just seeing Murphy's Law all the time now. And that can really hurt you in the maturity end. It can cause you to backslide. But you'll, you'll be able to measure that now, and you'll be able to deal with that uncertainty because risk is no longer something that goes bad as a risk. Uh, the risk plan is clear that risk is only the risk of an organization meeting its objectives and fulfilling its mission. It's really about opportunities and threats. And how long have we had SWOTs and doing opportunities and threats? And we're, we're really focused on opportunities and threats and making opportunities happen so that they can offset the threats. Because every time we know that we uh, go and treat a threat, we just create more threats. I mean, that's the whole systems world that we live in. So I think that uh, this new structure uh, and this maturity diagram, the structure is really to help the maturity diagram move forward. And remember, it's not just one maturity diagram. There's a different maturity diagram for each of those different rows that I spoke about uh, in my presentation. So this is no easy thing to do, but by having these teams working together, quality, working with environment, working with health and safety, with assets management, with social responsibility, all of them together, uh, they're each trying to contribute to the, uh, to the maturity in each of these areas. And, you know, they always say, what, two heads are better than one, three heads are better than two, and it works up to a certain point where you get a committee and the committees don't work well anymore. But I think you're going to see the groups working together, especially if we're driving uh, performance by the measure of maturity. And I think Philip Crosby was just a great example of that, and the quality people have, you know, just had a long history of, of knowing how important uh, maturity is. We have a yeah, comment I'd, I'd like to agree. Yeah, oh, let me add, you know, Bob, you're using the word backslide, and I think that's a great word for this because yeah. you, know, you do get that. I mean, whenever you have a, you've established a set of you know, beliefs and norms and you've moved to a new state, there are times you are going to backslide back to a previous state. And I think one of the things we haven't talked about here is culture, and I think a lot of that has to do with culture. 
because you can put the best systems in place, whether they be you know, paper-based, electronic-based, you know, automated technology-based. You also have to move the culture along with it, and, and, and the leadership has to take that, make that, that commitment that they're going to move the culture forward. So I think you know, the, the risk of backsliding, I think, has, has a lot to do with how well you manage change as you move up the maturity curve so that not only are you putting systems in place and checks and balances in place, but you've also evolved the culture to accept that as a new norm and a new way of doing business and put the, put the, the again, using that checks and balances as a way of not backsliding. But inevitably, you know, organizations are collections of human beings and humans, you know, there is uncertainty, there's fallibility. You will have those, back, you know, those, those backslides, those, those slips backwards. But I think if you focus on the cultural change along with the implementation of the systems, um, you'll have a, a lower probability of backsliding. But as Bob said, you know, this is complex because you've got a maturity of, he'll call it the, the you know, the, each row and each column, I'll say it is, you know, each functional area within an organization has their own level of, of maturity. So um, with that, you know, there, there, is, there is always that, that chance. Well, we have participants who appreciate and, and agree with your points there. One, one wrote, and I agree. That's why the term is continual improvement, not continuous. Two steps forward, one step back, but the trend should be forward and positive. So thought I'd share that. Next, next question we have That's here. That's a great comment. Yeah, yeah. And, and then the next question, um, are you planning on proposing through ANSI a new ISO standard that would integrate these, or are you offering a service to help organizations integrate their compliance activities? Well, you know, this, this whole idea of integration, and a lot of people are still angry at it, really angry at it. It really started in about the year 2010, and, you know, we were really trying to get the environmental health and safety people to work together with the quality people. And they, you know, both had really good ideas and really good things to advance. And we were held back in doing that because uh, the, the standards were numbered differently. And many of us were busy integrating the standards, but then you had disagreement over, oh, does this go here? Does this go there? You know, does this work with this? And a group of, you know, I think just really brilliant people in the uh, ANSI and, and ISO world and, you know, what, about 100 and I feel what it is now, 159 countries or something like that in the ISO world, uh, decided, hey, you know, we can't try to fit these together. We need a structure uh, that fits all of them. So they came up with this, what was then referred to as the Annex SL. And the first standard to come out on this was uh, in 2012 was the ISO, um, it, it, it's a business continuity standard came out on this. And then, uh, fi you know, over the years now, a whole bunch of them, now we finally got the, the quality and, and the environmental in 2015. That's coming into being in 2018. And I think a lot of companies are waiting till 2018. But think of it. If you're going to be certified to that standard, the certification is for three years. So if I certify you now, it's past the year 2018. And I'm wondering, so... Are you, are you going to make it in 2018? So I think a lot of the auditors and a lot of the companies who self-certify, because you do not have to 
certify to an auditor unless a customer asks you to do that, requires you to do that. A lot of companies are self-certifying and, and at least a good number of these different standards. And, and you know, they can they can be begin to look at these things and, and say that, okay, we're, we're going to, we're going to do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and, you know, we're going to do that. But, you know, if you have to do the quality standard and certify to it, the certification people want to know, you know, so what's your transition plan, where you're really going. And I'll tell you that, I mean, and I think Doug and I are this way to some extent too. Uh, you you know, you get sort of satisfied with what you're doing and, and you don't want to push yourself to do something new. So, you know, not accepting change very well. And they're saying, why did you get rid of the word management representative? That's what we do. And I, and I heard one quality person say this, between me and my customer, I have to meet what my customer wants. Then I, then I think about Target, the, the retail store. About three years ago, they banned a chemical that no country in the world has banned. And since then, Walmart has banned it, and a bunch of other companies have banned it. J.C. Penney's has banned it. And that, that chemical was a phthalate that made you know, a piece of plastic very malleable. So the company that was making that had the best quality of that, but now they can't make it anymore because of you know this uh, this rule that went out by Target initially in all the retail industries, and they said, well, they can't do that. Well, they can, they do, and they will, and the quality people can't look just at the customer anymore. They have to look at these external uh, things, and, of course, that was a huge uh, uh, form of uncertainty because guess what? They're banning other chemicals today, uh, and these are chemicals that make quality products for customers. So, you know, we're sort of in this big world now, and it's no longer quality working alone. It's quality working with environment, health, and safety, and all of these other things that we listed here. And fortunately, because of this uh, optimized uh, standard uh, structure, uh, we, we, we have at least a platform to do that. I really think it's going to take uh, software and other sorts of things to help all of these groups work together better and to measure that progress uh, as we move forward and measure the maturity as we move forward. But this is the way it goes. And, you know, if it wasn't for this, yeah, we'd, we'd really have little to look forward to. I mean, it, things would still remain hard, uh, and uncertainty is going to be its a big foe for all of us to stand up to. So, you know, I really see it as a good thing, and it doesn't really change what we're doing. It just gets people to talk together. That's why I like the idea of building a platform on the top of the silos so we could walk around and look down the other silos, see what's going on, and offer a hand and offer to talk to them. Yeah, I would say, you know, from our standpoint, from a technology standpoint, obviously I think we would support an ANSI standard that brings it all together. I think on the service, the second part of that, which was the services, you know, we we're, we focus on the technology and the platform, but we are, we have we have formed relationships with uh, various different industry consulting groups. For instance, yeah. AECOM, uh, Trinity Consultants, Tetra Tech, in the environmental health and safety, and working together. Yes, we can deliver these in integrated management system programs with the technology and the integration of the different standards, and work through some of this harmonization. You know, in the pharmaceutical life science industries, we've teamed up and work with a company by the name of High Point Solutions. And then the aviation industry now, where we're, you know, starting to look at safety management systems and other things, we're working with another org and a services organization called CAVOC. So, and then obviously we have a relationship with Bob and, and some of the thought leadership that Bob is doing. So we certainly see 
the opportunity there. Our focus is on the technology, and we work with the, the various service providers who have the experts in the what I'll call the organizational and the um, and the functional subject matter area expertise to bring together that holistic concept of an integrated solution with people, process, and technology. That's great. That's really helpful. Going back to the uh, maturity curve, we have another question uh, in regard to that. And the questioner says, are you suggesting the maturity curve acts as the process metric for EHSNS, just as DPMO is the process metric for quality? Um, if not, what do you envision as the process metric that will be accepted versus the historically accepted end result incident rates? Well, maturity maturity is going to drive all of this stuff. So the you know my answer is yes, the, the maturity will be will be a key performance metric, the your ability to uh, move forward, move up, and move beyond is going to be a key a key metric because all of the other metrics you're doing, you know, the the real uh, you know. Uh, number of incidents, uh, you know, number of accidents in a certain category, and these things—they're all lagging indicators. They're all things that that happen, and you know, there's nothing you can do about them necessarily moving forward without you know having a system in place. And I think we really—and Doug has heard this from me many times—is we really have to move from lagging indicators to the leading indicators, which you know uh, are things that we can actually influence and, and make change with. And uh, the maturity is basically a leading indicator. It, it's basically something that you you know you're trying to move forward with, um, and, and those kind of things. So I think the the whole idea of just considering maturity is one of the things. And I know the quality people have done that a long time ago, but no one else has. Is to really say, say maybe we need to be changing some of the metrics, and we have to continue to measure some because they're regulatory based, uh, they're important to the program. But we really want to move this thing forward, and and we also want to be able to sidestep uncertainty, which is going to be there these days, every day of the week. So I think the the changing of the term from to from measurement, monitoring and measurement, to performance measurement is huge. And, and it's a real, real key part of making this whole system go. And then, then adding the word from continual improvement and adding the word innovation on top of continual improvement um, is is, a, is another sign forward. So there's there's all of these things, and I know it's made a lot of people upset. It's made a lot of people confused as to where we're going with all of this stuff. But I think. You know, maybe in another five years there'll be there'll be another change. Hopefully, we'll keep the same structure. We may change some of the words. We may add some of the what needs to be done. But I think basically, the, the now the the uh, focus on performance measurement and the focus on uh, the continual improvement and and innovation is, is really a great way to uh, move us beyond where we've been before. And when you look yeah, let at me, that, let me word. add a little oh, bit sorry. there. Let me just add and say. I think I think the maturity adds another vector that we're going to measure. I think I don't think we're going to get away from measuring, you know, our TRIR and you know all our industry related, all our typical descriptive analytics. You know, the descriptive analytics yeah. that look in the look that take the data, look in the rearview mirror, and say this is what we did, and you know, this is what happened. This, those metrics are still going to exist. A lot of the, some of those are driven yeah. by regulation. Some are driven by the way we do business. Those metrics are still going to exist. We're trying to push to the to leading metrics now. You know, how many people have completed training, completed training on time, and the training's updated? 
um, how many corrective actions have been completed on time, and how many corrective actions have not been, you know, things that tell you how a co- that a company is performing in a, in a preventative rather than a containment manner, or what I used to say, you know, reactive and proactive. I now, because world is moving to a risk-based approach, I look at it as a preventive versus a containment. Are you trying to prevent something, or are you putting processes in place to contain something that already happened? So, but I do think that if we look at the maturity curve now, this starts to bring in um, the concept of culture, the concept of strategy, um, concept, all the concepts that go on into organizational behavior and organizational management, and add another set of, of key performance metrics that help us understand if our organization is growing and is adapting to change. And then you can use the, 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 the traditional descriptive analytics and the, uh, the traditional you know, analytics that we've used as whether they're lagging or leading indicators has still have a very important place. The other thing that's going to happen too, and this is, good, this is going into the technology piece, is we're starting to move, as all this data goes into a single-eye centralized system, we're going to start moving from descriptive analytics to what we call predictive analytics. As you get, you know, you take 10, 10 years of incident data in a database, you will find that you can run statistical models and analysis and find out where there could be some hidden, hidden things that are happening that are forcing you, that are, that are causing you to hit an asymptote on your, on your accident, injury, illness rates, or things. So we're, you know, we're, we're going to still use those things, but we're going to improve on moving those into predictive and then what we call prescriptive, which is if we know this is going to happen, we can put something in place to prevent it. So, um, so again, and that goes uh, back the, to think, that whole that that goes back to the whole thing of leadership, Doug. That we had in there is yeah. uh, the leadership is really going to drive this now. It's not going to be up to the quality manager. It's not going to be up to the environmental manager. It's going to be up to top leadership to, to you know to maintain their accountability in the program, and that'll drive it right down to the organizational level. Yeah, uh, yeah, agreed. Yeah, I think that's a great a great way to to wrap this up. I think I just appreciate you, Bob and Doug, for providing all this great information, and I think you're going to help a lot of people out there who who are listening to this. Um, and and we're coming up on the end of the hour here, so I'll go ahead and wrap this up. Just want to remind everyone uh, to take that time to fill out their evaluation surveys on their screen and uh, give us your feedback. We really do appreciate that information. We look through it and use that to improve our our future webcasts. And with that, it will end today's Safety and Health Magazine webcast. Once again, I would like to thank Bob, Doug, everyone at ETQ, and of course everyone else who's listened in and participated and asked questions today. Uh, Thank you very much. Thanks again, Bob and Doug, and have a great day. You're very welcome. Have a great, safe day, everybody. Thank you.